Hi, everyone. I'm Joanna. And I'm Jenny. And this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. So today, we have an incredibly special guest with us, my good friend, Ren Fernandez Kim, who is a Peruvian-Korean online humanist educator that focuses on anthropology and history and how that can help us understand what it means to be human. Ren is also the sweetest person I know. Oh my God, you guys are so sweet. Thank you so much. Welcome, Ren. Also, that, like, your bio just made me question my life choices. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It makes me question a lot of things, too. Oh, okay. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, that's a pretty sweet bio. Oh, that's me. That's me. Ren, we're so excited to have you here. Um, You know, this podcast is about talking about identity. And we really wanted to talk to you specifically about the sort of history, the trials and tribulations, the identity struggles of what it's like to be an Asian Latino. Um, So tell us a little bit about your background. So I'm Korean-Peruvian, or I like to say aggressively Peruvian. But most of that comes down to a lot of my identity politics from when I was young, like very young. Uh, obviously, I knew I was Korean and Peruvian, but I was always like, well, what percentage am I? Am I 50-50 straight down the middle? Am I 40-60? Like, how much percentage is that? And then I had to start adding in. I was like, well, I also live in America. So that makes me also like an American, right? Um, and then I live in the South. How much of that is influencing my identity? Am I this percentage now? Am I cutting up into quarters? Uh, what does this all mean? Um, and this adds on to a lot of other identity issues, whether it comes to sexuality or gender and all these other things um, during my youth. And that's where I come up with the name Ren, um, which is a mother language to Korean, and it means human or mankind. And that's the philosophy of it. And that's where I got the name Ren. And that's not my birth name. So just letting you all know there. But um, that's where I got that name. And that's where a lot of the confusion of just like, what am I? At the end of the day, none of that matters. I'm just a human being. And the goal is just to be my best person and to continue to strive to be the best person I can be. Can I just say that I love the name Ren and what yeah. a beautiful word for what that means. Cause I think in English is just like human and that's not cute. You know, that doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> so when you, 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 you say that you were sort of navigating and trying to find yourself in all of these percentages, which that's a lot of math for something that, you know, it, it feels very human. Right. Um, did, did you shy away from identity or did you sort of embrace it? more as the years went by because it seemed like you were trying to balance everything so what did you land on in terms of how being peruvian how being korean how being american how how those things translate themselves into yourself i think at first i was trying to make it very rational it's like i'm this amount and this amount because Mm -hmm. i can do this or i do that or i relate to this or even about like how much spanish or korean i know it's like but depending on how fluent i am i was like that's how much Spanish or that's how much Korean I am. Um, And honestly, at the end of the day, none of that mattered because my experience is valid and I can be all of these things at once and it continues to grow and develop as I grow and my experiences as I, you know, move around and continue talking to people. I currently live in Koreatown, which is a beautiful intermingling of like both Spanish culture on the outside of Koreatown on the outskirts and then like Korean people here. Um, That was an opportunity I never got to have as a child because I lived in the deep South and there were not a lot of Koreans, 
nor a lot of Peruvians or Spanish people in general. But for me, that was that was hard to also kind of feel where do I fit? But living here in Koreatown has given me the chance and opportunity to really just kind of figure that out. I'm curious to know how your parents, did they make any active decisions with you and your brother when it came to traditions, you know, foods, language, being in a Peruvian-Korean household? I know a lot of people that are mixed households and some people say that, yeah, their parents did both. Like they celebrated all the things from both cultures. Some people said it leaned more towards one over the other. And some people just said, no, my parents just wanted me to assimilate as much as I could to the U.S. and didn't teach me any of the traditions and languages. So what was that like for you? What, how, how did your parents handle raising Korean Peruvian kids in the deep south? Oh, man, it was, I'm <laughs> sure, a struggle for them because I knew at the beginning my mother being Korean and she spoke Spanish because um, there's a whole history behind that as well. But in general, my mother uh, was born in Korea, then around 13, moved to Paraguay and then oh. lived there for 13 years. So that's why she knew Spanish. And then she went back to Korea. And my father is from Peru. And then in 1987, moved to Korea to become a professor. And that's where they met. Um because she became his translator. So she already had a lot of like Spanish or Latinx influence um, mm -hmm. to her upbringing because she came at like a very young age. So I think for raising us, she wanted to also have that balance of like, you should learn Korean and Spanish. Um, or let's see if we can try to get you to do both things. Um, mm -hmm. And it was very difficult once my brother was born because by that time I was entering elementary school and I already was behind because my language was just all over the place. And it was because I wasn't getting proper education where it was like, this is how you learn Korean, this is how you learn Spanish. It was just like all at once, just bombarding. Mm -hmm. um, so I already was a late speaker. I didn't start speaking until I was like two. Um, so having another language being added was very difficult for me and my brother. So they eventually were like, well, they don't really speak Korean in the United States, but there are a lot of Spanish speakers. So I think we're just going to have to stick to two. And that's what mm -hmm. happened. Um, both my parents started speaking fluently in Spanish at home. Um, and then we would learn English at school. You know, when I went when I went to school, I remember in like elementary school, um, I think it was third grade. My teacher thought I was like I had severe developmental issues because I couldn't spell. And it turned out I was just trying to spell in Spanish English words <laughs> like though I'd be like T-H-O. Though, like, <laughs> though, acento. <laughs> but so many, so many teachers and a lot of the education system, like, just does not understand, you know, oh, the yeah. nuances of of um, kids that speak more than one language. And you had three languages. So, Ren, you you talk about, um, you know, your upbringing and all and and basically everything that made Ren who Ren is. Now, how how do people perceive you? Like, you go about the world existing as this incredibly complex human being, but human beings like to simplify people all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure people just look at you and make assumptions. And mm -hmm. and I'm assuming that when you describe your actual background, people's mind explodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the time, like, I remember in middle school, someone legit came up to me and was like, are you an Eskimo? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Which, one we don't we that's not what they're called and secondly 
uh no i live in the deep south why would what no um and then i would explain to them i was like oh i'm korean peruvian and they're like what is that uh and eventually i was just like i i just live here it's fine (laughs) (laughs) there was always that it was just like oh what are you and like the most common one which makes Mm -hmm. sense um is are you filipino because my name was like fernandez kim at the last like so having a somewhat asian looking face having a spanish sounding last name it makes sense and i'm like okay yeah logically that makes sense but let me blow your mind it's korean peruvian and they're like oh wow what a cool mix um and yeah i guess looking back on it i was like that's that is an interesting mix and the story that comes with it is also kind of fun but uh when you start telling people it's like but you know, Asian Latinx people aren't new. They're like, what? Um, yeah. So that's a whole different story, I guess. So wait, you're saying Asian Latinx people aren't new. So why don't you give us a little bit of context for that? I mean, um, Asian immigrants have been coming to uh, the Americas, including Latin America, since the 1600s. But what what does that sort of background look like? What does that history sort of look like? I'm not expecting you to have the vast knowledge of every single type of immigrant population to ever step foot in Latin America. But (laughs) (laughs) I can give like a general overview, though, because like, um, obviously, there's this one thing we have in common within the whole Latinx community is we've all been colonized, whether whether it's by Spain, by France, by the Portuguese, or even the Dutch. there's always been some form of colonization that has happened in Latin America. So let's let's go back to the history of the Philippines. So the Philippines during that time period was kind of like this meeting point between Asia and and like Latin America. And from like 1585 to like 18 something, the Spanish colonization was happening in the Philippines. So that's where you have a lot of like um, Christianity be, being recognized as the main religion there. You have a lot of like integration of like names and the cultures. Um, but that also meant there was a lot of trade happening between Asia and Latin America. That's around the same time where obviously colonization was happening in Latin America too. So there was this introduction already happening during this time period from the Philippines, from Asia to Latin America. Um, and that's where you have kind of like the introduction of the first like Latinx Asian groups is within the Philippines, whether it's coming from the Philippines to the Latinx area or or from, from Latin America to like Asia. If the if Earth was an office, the Philippines is the water cooler where Latin America and and Asian countries started to mesh and meld and talk about each other's weekends. Basically. There's a lot of violence though. So when does immigration into Latin America sort of begin and how do we see that in in form in the d- different geographical regions? Ooh, okay, so this is a fun one. Um, obviously colonization has already happened in Latin America where we have a lot of uh, black people being used for s- slaves and obviously the indigenous people that were already there. But because of germs that you know they were ex- uh, exposed to, they were dying off. Um, as well as just cruel labor. So uh, there was a lot of death, dying populations. Um, and also in 1807, it was prohibited uh, no longer to have slaves. Uh, that didn't stop them from doing it anyways. But it was legally prohibited and abolished in 1807. So that's where the attention was like, well, if we can't do it illegally, we have to find a legal way to do it. 
And what better way than indentured servants? So then that's where we get like the coolie trade, which is um, basically where they find cheap labor within the Chinese community or Indian community. And then they start shipping them over to Latin America. So you find them all over the Caribbean, through Mexico, through Peru. Um, and that's where the most of like the Chinese and Indian populations are located. So that's where you also find that influence within the food, um, within like Cuban cuisine or even sometimes Peruvian cuisine. Like we have chaufa, which is basically fried rice. Uh, we have tayarin, which is like the noodles, like chow mein. Um, and a lot of the spices also that they use, the ingredients that they use is also influenced within the cuisine that we now have. It's interesting you say that because that does tie in exactly with why I knew so many Chinese Cuban people. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the endangered. How do I say this? Oh my God, endangered servants. I mean, um, it's also called unpaid internship. Is what we call it in the twenty first century. That's indentured <laughs> servitude for us. <laughs> well, a lot of it, a lot of it had to do with the sugar canes. So I know that some of it was because of indentured servitude, and the other was actual Chinese immigrants wanting to go to Cuba to work with the sugar canes and and stuff like that. So it was a mixture. But there's there's a Chinatown in Cuba. Yeah, there's a Chinatown in Peru, too. For me, I guess I wasn't so surprised at at the fact that there's Asian Latinx people <laughs> um, because Miami is such a melting pot. And I knew so many Asian Cubans. Right. But uh, a lot of people do not know. <laughs> they just think we think they think everyone's supposed to look like J-Lo. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know. But that's also the media's fault. That's a whole other thing. Right, right. That's a whole other thing because there's this way of like, or there's this perception of like, to be Latino or Latina or Latine, you have to look a certain way and you have to be a certain way. Yes. And a lot of that is like, mm-hmm. first of all, that's not who who said. Um, secondly, <laughs> that's also media. Yes, you have. that's a big point. And then thirdly, is like that completely negates all the history that goes into Latin America and that's happened in the past like over over 600 plus years since the invention of racism and colonization. So it's like, we're going to completely negate people just coming here and trying to assimilate and survive within our community. Um, we're mm-hmm. just completely ignored. It's a real disservice, honestly. I think, I mean, again, people people always poke fun at entertainers and the entertainment industry and TV and film. But it's like, it's kind of a window into reality, reality, humanity, what we are supposed to look like. And if, and if Hollywood is failing at doing that, there are people living in the middle of America who have never left their hometown, who cannot travel, who cannot experience other cultures and a variety of people. So they only know what they know. And they're going to look at the TV and stream whatever on Netflix. And if they just see one type of Latino or Asian person, or what have you, that's what they're going to think about all of us. But simultaneously, Jenny, you know, having grown up in Latin America, I can tell you that everyone of Asian descent is just called Chino. So, like, the equivalent the equivalent of an American calling all Latinoamericanos Mexican yeah. is what, in Latin America, we do yeah. to Asian people. Every I had a wonderful Korean family in my school, and we would call the older the older brother el chino which was just in retrospect completely wrong and he'd be like dude i'm not chinese man like what the hell why are you call-? and then my husband had a japanese colombian friend in his school and they el called him chino. guess what they called him el chino 
obviously, because, at, you know, it's and it's so within Latin America, there is a lot of ignorance as well to the diversity that exists within this immigrant mm-hmm. community. And, you know, I, one of my favorite party tricks to do and, and, you know, this isn't this is not a fun party trick. This is a party trick I learned in my household, which isn't part, uh, like a fun household. It's more of like a let's see how smart you are household, which is exhausting. <laughs> but um, I'd pull up a picture of Fujimori, the former dictator of Peru, and I'd ask people where they thought mm. this dictator was from. And people would say, oh, I, I don't know, Japan or like, I don't know, Singapore or whatever. And I'm like, no, do Peru. This guy's this guy is Peru. He was the Peruvian dictator Fujimori from Japanese. Like he was Japanese descent. And, you know, the Japanese population in Peru is is huge and massive and important. And I'm sure Fujimori, when he went to the U.N., maybe the Latin American presidents called yeah. him a Chino. Do you know what I mean? Like there's this there's this consistent like erasure of the diversity in the Asian Latino community within Latin America as well. In high school, you were given the nickname Chino. Like everyone knew at least one guy in the school named Chino. Hey, Chino! That was his nickname. You know why they gave him that nickname? And, And literally like 10 out of 10 times he wasn't Asian. It's because he had indigenous features. And if and if his eyes Mm-hmm. Or her eyes looked a certain way, they immediately got the nickname Chino Ochina. And so I never, I never put that together in my head. I'm like, why are they calling Pablo Chino? They're like, oh my god, yeah, like I, I went to a Getty at like Chino's house, and I'm like, but why are you calling him Chino? He's like Cuban, or he's, you know, Ecuadorian, what have you. But it always, as I got older, I'm like, oh. Okay, it's because he had these specific features, even though he was not Asian. He, you know, had indigenous features, and I guess close enough. Which Ren, I, you know, I, you have so many different vantage points. Which I think, you know, so much of being in a hyphen is having different vantage points with which you see things from a different perspective. So, from you know your Korean background, what do you see in 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 from that vantage point about the generalizations about Latinos? Because I'm assuming that it works both ways, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely works both. I mean, racism exists to, you know, divide and conquer. So obviously, like, there's there's going to be said, things that are said from both sides. I've heard things from, like, the Latinx side saying things about the Asian side and vice versa. So, like, one of the things I've always heard from, like, Asians to, like, Latinx people. Even my mom said this when she first met my dad. She was like, you know, I, he's from Peru. Uh, so, like, hold your stuff close. Um, and I'm like, that's racist, mom. She's like, I know that now, but looking back, that that's what I thought. Um, and it was always like, oh, they're loud. They don't, they're always talking about like parties and all they want is to just like have fun and they, they don't work hard or things like that. Um, versus like what the Latinx people would say about Chinese people would be like, oh, they're dirty. They, you know, they can't even speak English or Spanish, right? they're dumb or you know just a lot of negative stuff um but at the same time it'd be really interesting to to hear this and then see the cultural exchange that happens um just organically so i i know there's a lot of videos out there even buzzfeed or or i think there's a video even you jenny made i think with chris lamb 
talking about the similarities of like Asian people and Hispanic people and the way they raise their children. And that video did very well. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. it's not by coincidence. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it is just the general, just organic exchange that's happened of like how we raise our children, how we talk to them. I mean, obviously there's still minor differences and similarities, yeah. but for the most part is like, there's this hierarchy is like respect the parents. You don't talk back to them. Uh, take your shoes off the house, recycle all the things, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, they're yeah. so relatable, but a lot of it is just because there's a lot of cultural exchange that happens where we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. They're doing something right. I think that is sort of at the core of what me and Jenny always talk about, which is what you're talking about. Cultural exchange sort of makes cultures so much less in contrast with each other, but in similitude with each other and um, seeing the similarities probably helped you navigate this multicultural existence that you you just live by virtue of existing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's always times where I was like, yeah, I don't like what they say about each other. And that's kind of messed up because I live in the in-between. And there's always like, don't you agree? Or why aren't you on our side? And I'm like, well, I mean, what you're saying is not true. And if it, even if it was true, it's like, is it their fault? Um, you have to really go back in context. And I think that's why a lot of people used to be irritated at me because they're always like, choose a side. And I'm like, I can't mm -hmm. though. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so rough. Uh, I'm choose sorry, a side. War? Like it's like Mortal Kombat, <laughs> like video game. Yeah. What the hell? Choose a side. Choose a side. And I'm like, no side. Just realize that we're both existing and trying to survive and we're all fighting the same thing. I'm from Venezuela. So, you know, a lot of... How should I say the people that are able to leave the country are able to leave because of beauty pageants and beauty pageants are a way for you know people to like sort of find their way out. Um, and there is this um, Asian Venezuelan uh, beautiful model who was part of the Miss Venezuela contest and she received a lot of backlash and hate because how could someone like her represent Venezuela. Mm. And, you know, this is very similar to the case when a, this other a beauty queen who was very a very, very dark complexion was sort of attacked for being too dark. And um, for I think her name is Josie or Josie. Yes, um, she she sort of had to go out and explain that she's from Venezuela just because she looks like this doesn't mean that she isn't this. And, you know, I I ask you, like, and I think me and Jenny have talked about this as, as well a lot, which is having to justify yourself to others, having to sort of have a, um, a, a like, I, I almost feel like I'm on trial when I have to, to like, uh, uh, exhibit A, here is my Venezuelan passport, exhibit B, look at me say, conchale, pero que te pasa a ti, vale, exhibit C, you know, and she had to go and, and mm -hmm. sort of defend her Venezuelanness, which is exhausting and unnecessary. So, you know, for you, you know, I, what is it about her being Asian that sort of sparked this? And also, have you had to consistently had to justify your Latin Xness specifically? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think when it comes down to like her identity and how, why it sparks such a like insight, it really just comes down to lack of resources and education. And then also media, because media yeah. does have a big influence on that. And like what we look like, what we're supposed to do. Um, and completely negates the history of how we all got here or why we all got here. Um, some of that 
is not by choice. Yeah. Um, so I think there's just like a lack of education when it comes down to that, that kind of stuff. But as for me personally, there's a reason why I put in my bio aggressively Caribbean. Um, and the reason for that is because I have had to fight for my identity for all my life. Not so much fight for my own identity, but fight for the identity pieces that I can actually hold on to. Because there's always this like, you're not Latino enough. You're not Korean enough because you don't do this or you don't do that. And for me, it's like, I get to choose my existence. Thank you very much. You don't have a say of what my experience is like. And also there is no one way to be Korean. There is no one way to be Peruvian. That is all just relative. Um, Cause even if within like within your own country, there's like, what is American? What does that mean? Every right. community, every community has their own variation of like what it means to be so-and-so. Does that make it right? No, um, because it doesn't make space for growth and change as well as just people just existing um, because we deserve that. And I think for me, fighting for just myself has always been an exhausting process that now I'm just kind of like, I'm here. You get what you get. I don't have to explain myself. And if you don't like it, then that's not a me problem. That's a you problem. I feel, I also feel like, yes, we need representation and we need stories to be told, but there's also people that are like, I like to call them the ambassadors of, of identity. Right. And I think Ren is an ambassador of identity. So Ren, anytime you're at a party, anytime you're interacting with someone, anytime you're meeting someone, it's almost like you you are the the window to a new reality and that's a lot of weight and responsibility for you to take on but I think you're taking it on so wonderfully in that you take the time to educate people and and not and not be angry or frustrated and but welcome people into this diverse identity that you are and you know we were able to ask you a bunch of questions today because we felt comfortable asking you more about who you are and and how that reflects a, a greater people, not just not just Korean Peruvians, but um, all the hyphenates uh, around that. Um, so, you know, I think I encourage people that are listening to like. You are you are the the window to a lot of people's um, closed perception. And just by existing, just by virtue of existing your reality, you can really change opinions and sort of educate. You know, it's, it's honestly like when I meet people, it's never an opportunity to rate or to negate their experiences and be like, oh, why don't you know? I think for me, it's definitely always an opportunity to one, make new friends. And secondly, <laughs> it's, the secondly is just to let them know that, hey, I exist. And by that right, I deserve dignity, respect and, you know, basic human kindness as do you. And if you want to continue this friendship, we're more than welcome to continue that friendship. And that can look like however you, you know, however that looks. Um, and I'm more than happy to welcome people into just learning because like my friend Blair Mani says, like learning is a blessing and not a privilege. And I think everyone should have the opportunity to just be able to experience something new every day. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, Ren, I know that you mentioned that, like, oh, if you want to be my friend, like, you know, I open a friendship. Like, I know you're Jenny's friend, but after this conversation, <laughs> um, 
just wondering. I was just like, if you know, we can be friends and hang out, you know, just like, just yeah, like, for sure. Okay, good. <laughs> You're so lovely. I just well, like can't believe I just met you. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Ren has been a blessing in my life, and and Ren, you know, speaking of friendship, how can people? befriend you on the interwebs and and tell us what 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 you're up to where can they find you all that good stuff so most of my uh social handles are the same thing it's just corpus ren uh all together c-o-r-p-u-s-r-e-n and you can find me there and most of the stuff that i talk about is just mostly through the lens of anthropology because that's most most of what my work comes from is just coming from the study of humans, what it means to be humans, what makes us different, but also respecting that difference, as well as just finding solace in the sim- similarities that we have with each other. Ren, thank you so much for for joining us today. It was really elucidating as uh, there's an SAT <laughs> word that I threw at you. Um, but thank you so much for continuing to do the work that you do and, and, and talking to us. And, you know, if you like mac and cheese, uh, we can we can have some mac and cheese together in LA at some point. I was thinking of something that was like vegetarian. I assume everyone that lives in California is a vegetarian. No, that's just me. That's just me being a vegan. <laughs> I'll have my cashew cheese mac and cheese. I'm not picky. <laughs> I'll eat whatever. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs>